Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall. This is the Downtime Podcast and today's intro is a little bit different, so please listen in. Over the last few years, a lot of people have been getting in touch to ask if I have Patreon as a way for them to support the podcast, and up until now, the answer has been no. It seems that a lot of people appreciate the value that the podcast brings to them and they want to do something in return, but buying a t-shirt doesn't appeal to them. Maybe they don't need a new t-shirt or they don't want to ship products around the world. Either way, I completely understand where they're coming from. Until recently, I'd looked at Patreon as another thing where I need to offer value. But from chatting to some of you who've asked for it, it's clear that you feel I'm already providing heaps of value with the podcast and you just want to say thanks and do something to help and you don't need anything more from me as a result. That makes the concept of having Patreon way more feasible for me as at this stage, I just don't have the capacity to offer listeners more than I already do. This year is a tricky year for everyone as the cost of living has clearly risen massively and that's impacting the bike industry pretty hard right now. That knocks on to me and it's definitely harder for me to make a living out of the podcast this year. I guess I should say that the podcast is my full-time job, it's how I earn my living and put food on the table. So right now it really makes sense for me to open up a way for those of you who find value in the podcast to be able to give something back. So Patreon is finally here. For anyone not familiar with Patreon, it basically enables you to set up a regular monthly donation to the podcast. Now, I fully appreciate that not everyone is going to be in a position to contribute, even if you do find value in the podcast, and that's completely fine. The great thing is that some people will want to contribute, and overall, it's going to help the podcast continue. There are three different levels that you can support at. The first of those is just £3 a month. That's less than £1 an episode and less than the cost of one cup of takeaway coffee a month. If enough people contribute at that level, then it's really going to help me keep this podcast going. If you want to put in a little more, then there's a £5 a month level and a £10 a month level. If enough people contribute at those levels, then it's really going to start helping me step things up a bit. I'd love to bring someone in to handle the video and the social media side of things and to take some of the load off of me so that I can focus on creating more great content, which ultimately benefits you, the listeners. So if you get value from the podcast, I don't know, maybe you've learned something that's helped your riding or your fitness. Maybe it's got you stoked to go riding or to come back from an injury, or maybe it's just something to pass the time when you can't be riding your bike. Then why not do a little something in return and sign up to my Patreon over at patreon.com forward slash downtime podcast. That's Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. I'll stick links to that in the show notes for this episode and I've put a banner at the bottom of my website homepage over on downtimepodcast.com. Before we move on, I want to say a massive thanks to the patrons who have already signed up, despite me not even talking about it on the podcast yet. Those awesome people are John Stanion, James Gardner, Ben Thompson, Chris Hendry, Cy Turner, Darren Baines, Jonathan Matthews, Peter Hall, Sam Davies, Mike Smith, James O'Driscoll, Andy Fandle, Tim Wellard and Jonathan Kopp. If you want to join that list and show your love for the podcast, then patreon.com forward slash downtime podcast is the place to head. If you do still want a t-shirt, sweatshirt or hoodie, then of course they're still available over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. All right, on to this week's episode. So it turns out that Katie Winton is a mountain bike super fan. A couple of weeks back, Katie got in touch to say that she'd love to come on the show to help build the hype for the 2023 Enduro World Cup racing season, which kicks off this weekend in Tasmania. So we sat down to chat about the team moves and what they might mean for race success. We chat about the move to Enduro being an official World Cup and what that means for the sport. Katie shares who she thinks we should be keeping an eye on in 2023, and we chat about some of the venues. It's awesome to have the knowledge of one of the world's top racers to help us get excited for the season ahead. And as always, Katie brings the stoke. 
So without further ado, here's Katie Winton. Katie Winton, welcome back to the Downtime Podcast. It's been a little while. How's things out there in uh, maybe not so sunny today in New Zealand? Things are very well. Thanks for having me back. Uh, yes, this morning started with an epic sunrise. Lovely sky, very calm, very peaceful. And now it's just started like full-blown gusty winds and rain. So that was a bit of a surprise uh, to my Monday morning. But apart from that, I've been having a really good time out here in New Zealand and just uh, chipping away at training. And the season's just around the corner. So, yeah, exciting times. It is just around the corner. It feels like it's been mm. a while since we last had a Enduro World Series, as it was called last year. Now, EDR Enduro World Cup, who knows? Um, but let's chat a bit about it um, and we'll go through some of the team moves. We'll talk a bit about some of the structural changes for the year, talk a bit about some of the uh, the venues and then maybe pick up some kind of underdogs or people that we think might go well this season. Um, and we'll start off with team moves. Um, let's start off with Yeti. Um, they've got a new rider in the form of, and my pronunciation is probably going to be off here, Slavomir Lukasic. Is that right? Do you know Slavomir? I, I don't, but I am glad that you were the one that had to say that name and not me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is a this is a big move. He was on the Canyon Collective Denny's team last year, which was uh, a really strong lineup actually. Where one of the the female rider that they have is um, Gloria Scarcy, mm. who just like came out of nowhere, track cyclist into enduro, and then like scored top tens at four out of the eight rounds, and. Um, and was fourth in Sugarloaf. So he's he's come from that team, um, which is really exciting to then move up into this this bigger league team with uh, the likes of Richie Rood and Bex Barona. So it's going to be really exciting to see what he can do this year with that, that bigger team. Definitely, yeah. He had a few good results last year. It's a name that, although I can't pronounce it, I have seen it a few times, like kicking about mm-hmm. in result sheets and stuff. So it'd be interesting to see how he gets on for sure. And he, he fills yeah, a really space exciting. made by Casper Woolley, I guess, um, who mm-hmm. had a really bad run of luck, didn't he? Like fast oh, young lad, yeah. Canadian, definitely capable, like up there in the top 10 uh, on stage mm-hmm. times. But his season didn't start too well, huh? No, and it was really exciting actually when he... Um, Signed with Yeti in a big way to come out and do these EWS races. I think the the whole sort of enduro scene was like, oh, this guy is like so rapid, and we, you know we can't see what he can do. Wait to see what he can do at world level, and then just exploded, like crashing and just and then just just hard luck, like that crash that he had mid season on his return back into somebody on a pump track, like who's going the wrong can't way, right? That. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. What can you do? It's just completely out with your control. So it was pretty gutting not to see him really push it last year and see what he was fully capable of, but equally very exciting to see what his future holds. Yeah, he's on this, this YT squad, right? And uh, it's kind of cool. It's a bit unique in that, okay, they're riding YT 
bikes, but they can spec whatever they want components wise to put on it. Uh, do you do you like that idea or would that blow your mind? Like it's a lot of there's a lot of things to think about. <laughs> It's a lot of things to think about, and I listened to the podcast that you did with um, JP, who's kind of the holder of the vision of this, and it's just, I just have a lot of respect for that brand, just kind of going, cool, that's how things have been done, well, let's try and do things differently, and see see how this works out. We're all about performance, so we're starting, we're starting again, essentially, and the first time being seen on the enduro side of things with some huge names and let's let's do this differently let's let the riders choose equipment that they're comfortable on let them experiment with with uh, anything that they want to run which is really exciting but yes definitely overwhelming because you as a rider have to make those calls you you could do anything so but in order to do anything you need to test everything to make the right decision so it's it's exciting, but also really daunting because there's so many options. But the riders they've got, you know, there's they've got so much experience of setting up their own bikes, making changes with bikes, um, so they can start with something they're comfortable from. Now we might see them on things that they've been familiar with, but then if they've got the opportunity to then change that as they move forward, I think this is going to be an exciting team to watch to see how they make changes, see what they decide to test next and what they end up sticking with, like maybe in a year's time or so, or even a couple of years time. So it's definitely a, an exciting new concept. Definitely. Yeah. And especially as product launches as well, I guess, throughout the year, like maybe mm. something will uh, take their eye and they'll go and try it. But it's a cool, yeah, it's a cool little unit. So they've got Christian mm. Tech Store, otherwise known as mm-hmm. Texty, uh, joining the crew. He seems like a really yeah. like down to earth sound guy uh very yeah. much a puzzler have you have you had much to do with texty over your time in enduro yeah bits and pieces eh? i always like a chat with texty he's just a really nice guy who just gets in does the graft and does really well <laughs> like sure. he's an absolute pinner and in the, in the podcast you did with him he's talking about oh yeah i'll just you know i'm quite happy just sort of s- helping the other guys with the team and just being the testing guy. It's like, Texi, you're rapid as well. <laughs> like, you could be the test test horse, but actually you're still going to pull some epic results, I'm totally sure. And it's been really nice just, like, watching him this year, just being totally buzzing on, like, you know, being at Bulls for so long and kind of really running his own programme and then just being like, oh, my gosh, I've got all the support and, like, this is, like, the dream that I've been working for like it's amazing to see that paying off and to find a found his place within a brand is really awesome yeah it'd be cool to see if that that uh kind of increase in support enables him to step his results up a little bit and definitely the pace of the the two guys that he's going to be riding with has got to help right you're Mm. getting you're getting shown the kind of speed from two of the fastest guys on the circuit. And yeah, so we can't not mention then Jack Moyer. That's a huge move. Probably like one of the biggest names, not just in enduro, but in mountain biking as a sport at the moment, I think like massive following, Mm -hmm. well loved by the fans. So YT have gone big, huh? Yeah, massive. Like that's a huge signing. And one that I think makes a lot of sense, like as a fan, and I am an absolute fangirl. That's why I'm really excited about doing this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, but Jack is Jack is a, quite a free spirit and just just rub it. He's just so himself. 
and quite rowdy and just like goes out, gets, you know, got a bit of, I don't know, you know, like pizzazz about him. He's got, you yeah. know, a bit of oomph. He's got his character, but he's also just rapping on a bike. He's not too serious. He's just like always having a good time. And then like that linking with the YT kind of uncaged vibe just seems to make complete sense. So I think when you, as a rider, align with brands that share your values, it's a force to be reckoned with. So it's it's going to be exciting to see what you can do. Obviously, he's injured at the moment with that uh, broken hand. Mm, and he's, yeah. what is he had like four days on that bike and then Not had a, a broken lot. hand. So yeah. Not a lot, but the, the the beauty of the situation he has is that he can run everything, every component that he's familiar with and happy with and just get used to a frame before he makes any other changes. So yeah. having that freedom means he can control all the controllables, get used to a frame and figure out the geometry and his position within that and then move from there. If he chooses to do so, he might be quite comfortable on everything he's got anyway. Um, so yeah, it's... <laughs> maybe not the start that he wanted to have but having not had much time on the bike but I think there's so much to be said with having a real good vibe within a brand and within a team that can count for a lot more he's got the skills he's got fitness it's all there and if you've got that environment you'll just be able to unleash 100% yeah I was lucky enough to be at the first day of the the team camp mm. I guess they well, they all flew into the UK to do some stuff at the YT mill down in Surrey and I was there on that first day and admittedly there was you know everyone was a bit jet lagged and tired but mm. you could already see like how well the team was getting on and Oshin and Sham were there as well the downhill side mm -hmm. like and the banter between everyone was really good like Casper Texty and Jack clearly got on really well so yeah I think yeah. there's a solid little unit and uh like mm. you say pretty good fit for Jack so it'd be interesting to see how he goes but that, mm. that move for Jack freed up a position on another one of the top teams, uh, the Canyon team, and that's been filled by Jesse Melamed, last year's overall men's winner. That, again, is a huge change from what Jesse's familiar with, but in some ways, a lot of similarities too, right? Yes and no. I think uh, he's gone from like Rocky did an amazing job with the resources that they had and now he's with this huge brand in Canyon who have masses of resources to throw at this and like listening to everything that he's talked about within your podcast you did with him it's like there's a couple of components going on here so he's shifted from his team that's familiar environment familiar bike all of that stuff to a completely different bike, basically changing every single component apart from his tyres, plus the frame, everything. That's a huge shift, a massive undertaking. Considering it took him three years-ish to get that altitude to the really peak of its yeah. performance, which that's just the reality of it. Like People think that you know pro riders just jump on bikes and we immediately go fast. Yes, we go fast, but in order for us to, you know, like Jesse, get to that real top and we've seen him winning last year that took three years of building that finding the real limits of the bike and where he can push it to and what's going to work for him so now he's moved to this massive change however when he was doing it in rocky it sounded like he was doing a lot of himself you know and yeah. training himself he was doing a lot of the things himself so he was doing he had a big project on but with a massive change like that 
he and Canyon actually going, okay, well, we've got an in-house coach. So you're, you don't need to coach yourself anymore. We've got Fabian Burrell who can help guide with bike setup and everything like that. You know, doing the getting him out to like SRAM and Rock Shocks to help him learn about the product and things. He's got a lot more people helping him deal with a huge change and also relieve capacity for him to deal with a big change like that as well. Okay, someone's taking care of my training. Okay, this is getting sorted out. Okay, I need to do a training camp. Okay, we'll get you over to Europe, you know. So having more people is going to help him and just a bigger setup, help him deal with a bigger change like that. They also seem to be really like can't, from the outside, looking in at Canyon team, it's really performance orientated. And so he can just be a bike racer and a, that's all he's there to do. So that's yeah. that's really exciting. And, and hearing him talk and stuff like that is quite analytical, really Massively. you know, methodical in what he wants to do and achieve. So again, this is another like move that seems to make a lot of sense from the outside it, as a match, you know, we want performance. Here's a man that wants performance too. <laughs> Off we go. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting because it's like, I think you could go one of two ways because Jesse loves a puzzle, as does Fabian. Mm. Like they're super, like you say, analytical, really technical, smart, savvy riders. So that could just mean they get like a really good setup straight away and they get going, or it could mean they end up like constantly chasing that perfect setup and getting stuck in the puzzle kind of thing. And I don't, mm, I don't know which yeah. way, which way it'll come out. I think if his first race goes well and he feels good and the confidence starts to build, then it's probably going to go the, the the positive way. If it doesn't go quite well and they're looking for reasons, then that opens up that puzzle, right? But I think, I mean, I guess that's the same for a lot of riders, right? Your first race helps you yeah. build confidence. If it doesn't go well, you start you start puzzling, and let's face it, you're going to blame the bike before you blame yourself, right? <laughs> yeah from time to time but the the beauty with jesse is he's won he's won already he's won these races he's won the overall you know the monkey's off his back now he's not really got anything to prove so hopefully he takes that as a way of relieving some pressure and then yeah it'll be interesting to see the dynamic of of like do do they get deep into the puzzle or does you know will Fabian just be like no actually it's just stop now or you know how how that will all work out for him so it'll definitely be interesting to see to see what happens <laughs> for sure and he's had a lot of structure around him I think it, you know so early in the year as well he's been to Europe I think a couple on a couple of occasions they've been doing loads of testing they've been doing some racing like within team camp I think they were racing each other and putting mm-hmm. time runs in but also they've done some local races as well which Jesse won I believe there was an enduro in Dolce Aqua um that he he won against some, you know there was a decent chunk of pro riders that turned mm-hmm. up so seems like he's shaping up pretty well brand new bike but yeah. we'll see we'll see how it goes for him be interesting yeah and having having a coach in house is I don't know how normal that, like how usual that is within mountain biking. It's like people, like a lot of people ask me, Olea, um, do you have a coach within your team? And I'm like, no, I have my own coach. So that's like something I saw out myself. But having that alignment within the team and having um, Dimitri and Jose all, all under the same roof, that trainer can then plan sessions to say, okay, well, we're all going to do this one session together. Okay, you need to go and do this the next day, but you two can do, you know. So then you can actually have training camps. The difficulty coming from uh, with riders that have various different coaches is 
you go to do a tra- training camp, you're all in different programs. So, <laughs> yeah, okay. you, you know, you're not actually training together. So that, that really opens up the opportunity for them to go, okay, we are going to do like a week training camp where we are all going to work together on a similar project. There'll probably be differences slightly, but the, ma- the majority are going to be riding and training together. And that is going to elevate each other, especially when you've got two other riders in the top 10 as well. And then Jesse. So like that's, they're going to just keep pushing and pushing and pushing each other. Interesting. Yeah, I'd never thought about that, but mm. it makes a lot of sense. All right, mm-hmm. Jesse leaves a big hole at Rocky Mountain. Let's let's talk a bit about that team yeah. for the year. So Remy's, I guess, sort of steps up to number one male rider. Um, mm-hmm. ALN's got a very different structure around her now with the team, like it was all the mates kind of thing. Now it's her, Remy. Then they brought in Emmett Hancock, who I think was third overall U21 last year. And featured on something called Pink Bike Academy. Never heard of it. And um, Lily Boucher, who's also under 21. Yeah. And that's a big change because it looks like um, Jesse has taken Tara and Adam Trotter, the mechanic. So, so Tara's the physio, right, for the team? Or was the, yeah, was physio. the Rocky physio? I think she yeah. Did, yeah, and a bit of team management stuff. She just seemed to be totally onto it. Which leaves a big space and a massive environment change within the Rocky Mountain race face team because those are key players, you know. The, and I know ALN and Trotter got on really well as as a as a duo. And then Tara, you know, they were key parts of the team. Jesse was a key part of the team. Even just removing Jesse out of the team changes the whole dynamic, but taking mm. out that whole support structure as well, changing that is a massive shift for everybody to get used to. So can potentially be positive. It's just going to take a bit of getting used to, to for everybody to, to know each other. Um, and then, yeah, Remy becoming the number one rider as well. It's quite exciting for Remy because last year he had a really strong season, but he's always kind of just been a wee bit in Jesse's shadow. Yeah. So now it's almost like, cool, it's time to shine, boy. Like, it's all all you now. And also, like... When you're in a team and you've got someone that's fighting for a win all the time on pushing for that um, the title overall, when you are going for the overall through the whole season, it's stressful and every race matters and every moment matters. And so being a part of that is really intense, even if you're not actually the rider that's doing it, but everything's kind of focused around them and managing that and how do we deal with this. And so that that being taken out and it just being brought back to just Remy and ALN is really exciting for them because it's just about those two and mm-hmm. they've still got each other because they've they've had a relationship the whole time as teammates so and now having like these younger riders coming in it almost completes that circle of like we've done our bit and we, we're learning we're still pushing our top level sport but now we're also giving back to a younger generation and, and doing that forces you to think about how you're doing what you're doing what can I be doing better? Oh, maybe they should be doing this, but then I, I could be doing that better as well. And so then everybody gets better just in a nice rounded circle. You're bringing up the next generation and you're also continually improving yourself. So, yeah, I think that's a really cool dynamic and will be exciting to see how that team progresses as the season Definitely. goes on. Yeah, because ALN's had a, like a few rough ones hey like she's had some pretty nasty crashes and some really unfortunate mechanicals like the performance is clearly there but hasn't quite 
been able to show exactly what she's capable of, I think. So it'd be cool to see that result yeah. get out there onto paper oh, kind of thing. I know. So many times it's been like, oh, she's going to do it, you know, like so close to a win. And then something will happen and we're all just like, no, <laughs> we just really want this for you because you're right there. You've totally got the speed. You've got everything. You're like a complete rider. But there's just like little things that will just happen and then just explode and then you're like oh no Helen, come on it's coming, <laughs> i really it's want coming. this for you so it's coming yeah. it's all there it's totally yeah. all there so hopefully this year she can figure it out and and start bringing home some wins it's very exciting definitely well and it's a, a really deep women's field it's get seems to get deeper every year one of the riders again that has had some good results maybe not had the luck overall throughout the season so far is Ella Connolly and her like mm. set up at Cannondale's taking another step up, hasn't it, for this year? Like she's got some teammates and she's got a bit yeah. more support there. Yeah, that's massive. And so Ella's got Iago Gary, who is she's now actually engaged to, which is lovely, lovely news. And uh, a part of um, sort of the athlete life that we don't necessarily see too much of because people tend to keep their private lives to themselves, which is completely fair enough. But the the impact that that can have on performance is huge. So if you've got, you know, if, if stuff behind the scenes is going really well and you're really happy and, you know, then that creates a great vibe within yourself. You feel good about yourself. So then you ride well because our sport, it's not just about like going full gas physically. It's a high risk scenario and you need to be in a real good space to access that, you know, I'm just going to smash myself down this hill and it's going to be great. But if you're stressed and, you know, stuff's going on and there's this and that and that, you can't push to that level because you're already in a stressed state. Putting more risk on top of that is going to cause more stress that you don't have space for because you're already too stressed. So yeah. <laughs> really technical way of explaining it. Um, Ella's got a really good setup. She's got her future husband with her. They got on really well, obviously. And they're, he's a great support. It sounds like he's going to be taking on a bit more of a managerial role within okay. that as well. So he'll be supporting too. So that's a really nice setup to be with someone so close to you. They've got a new rider, Max Bo Beaupre. 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 I think so. I saw Max riding yep. in the US when I was over visiting Nico last mm. year, and he is lit. Like he, I is think he, he works at. Um, one of Nico's parks at Canuga and does a lot of trail building and maintenance stuff there. And then yeah. races, he ra raced at Windrock Enduro and I think he was the only one who got close to Richie because Richie was there that weekend, but he's, he's rapid. Wow. So quite like an underdog rapid yeah. guy. Yeah. They yeah, could come sure. and take things by storm. So yeah. that's another strong rider to have alongside them as well. Can learn from that's, that's a really nice setup that she's got. And We've watched her over the last couple of years sort of develop with that bike as well. And as it keeps coming back to this, it's like the first year kind of finding her feet on it and then the second year just like, boom! And this is going to be our third year on that bike as well. So there's just so much to be said about having a comfortable setup that you've had a lot of time on because then you, you're not thinking about the bike. You're just thinking about yourself and your ability and your skills and how you can be faster and find the limit of that bike rather than trying to sort the equipment out in order to access that. So yeah, I think she'll be a force to re be reckoned with this year. 
Definitely. And she's already won the first Spanish enduro round this year. Mm. So she's got a win under her belt, which is never a bad thing, is it? It builds a bit of confidence yeah. coming into the first uh, EDR round of the year. So she'd be in a good spot, Absolutely. I think. Yeah. yeah another another UK-based lady taking to Orange Bikes this year. So a UK brand, Becky Cook. Kind of mm-hmm. maybe a bit under the radar sometimes, Becky. Yeah, Becky's just a really quiet soul. You know, she's just a a quiet kind of person, just lives under the radar, but just gets the job done. My goodness. She like has been running her own program since being on the Orbea team and making ends meet, doing work at home, getting out to these races and still like totally smashing it. She was um, fifth and seventh last year in a couple of rounds as well. Like, (laughs) you know, just pulling it out of the bag. She scores well in, 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 stages as well you know like she's got pace she's just never been getting the support and this is kind of part of the the mountain bike industry where they always want people that are in your face got character you gotta you know have a bit about you but there's there's so many people in the world that you know we don't you need to also show the people that are quiet because there's a lot of quiet people that will also ride bikes and will really appreciate becky you know (laughs) yeah yeah she's quiet but she's a shredder and she gets it done. And, and we don't shine a light on Becky that much just because she, she's quiet. But that's no reason. She can still ride bikes really fast and deserves, really deserves the support. And it's it's exciting to see that she's going to have that behind her now and have a bit of support and have a team around her too. So, yeah, this year is going to be good for Becky. Interesting. Yeah, looking forward to seeing how that one pans out. Mm. Another move, Melanie Pujan, Flo Nikolai are joining a brand mm-hmm. I'd never heard of, Fulga mm-hmm. Bikes. Do you know much about that? No, I don't. All I know is they've got one hell of a squad. There's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, there is. It's like 10 of them <laughs> yeah, or something. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's it's mint. Uh, and a, a lot of pinners in there. Um, but Pujon with Florian Nikolai as well. It's great to see those two joining forces on a team as well. Um, both absolute pinners again again from the kind of quieter understated side of the sport but equally just get the job done (laughs) so yeah a big change for Melanie Um, but she seems happy from the social media as far as I can see so yeah a a change but potentially a really positive one um, as she moves in the right direction yeah definitely and again a a woman who's had some insane results over the years but maybe not kind of completely found her feet sort of thing yeah it was interesting last year because we never we didn't see the pace that she's had before last year I'm not sure what was going on or where she was at or anything like that but she just wasn't quite there not quite as aggressive not not with the pace that we'd we used to seeing her right at the top, right at the sharp end. She wasn't quite there. So maybe this changes exactly what she needed to unleash that speed again. See what the Fulgas got. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we'll all be eager to find out. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I guess big news on the like team management side this year. Martin <clears throat> Whiteley's moved into the enduro side of things. We've seen him a lot in the downhill world over the years, but we haven't really mm. seen his presence in Enduro particularly, not that I'm aware of. He's taken on management of the, the Polygon Enduro team. Um and they've brought Jack Menzies onto the squad, who mm. was 
quite a surprise for a lot of people last year, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Just burst onto the scene and then just held it real real fast at the top end. So like from under 21 and straight in, seriously, seriously impressive riding and incredible speed. So it's great to see him join this factory team. Um, it's a strong, strong lineup. You know, Brady Stone and Matt Studdart are both super fast riders in their own right. But this little this team is a really nice team. There's a they're a group of really nice guys. You've got Dan Wolf bringing bringing the chaos, bringing the vibe, and then the other guys are just you know Brady's Brady's an absolutely lovely guy, and so is Matt. But they're equally the kind of quieter, just get the job done kind of people. So uh-huh. I think that'll be a really nice team, and and. There's so much to be said about having a, a manager come in and someone to just take over logistics and figure a lot of that that admin stuff out takes a lot off of the riders, and so hopefully that will make the the logistics and everything a lot smoother for the athletes and yeah just a bit more structure. So it's great watching that polygon team grow and get bigger and put more in, in place for the riders and things. So yeah, they could be a really strong team in the overall as well. So it's quite exciting. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that as an overall play. They have mm. got a good good group of riders there. So, yeah, it'd be good to see how they get on. Big change for Jack, obviously, like mm-hmm. completely different bike, a lot to learn. But, yeah, good good support there. So it'd be good to see how, how he gets on. Uh, let's, t- let's touch on Trek, one of the biggest brands on the circuit. Huge news across the board for them that they're moving to Pirelli tyres across all the factory teams, which is a massive change considering... Mm. They have their own in-house tyre brand with Bontrager as well. Yeah, that's a massive, massive change because, like you say, in-house tyre brand, there's, when I was on that team, there was no movement within that. It was like, we run Bontrager tyres, that's it, boof. So to to sign with Pirelli and make that huge move is going to be a big shift for the riders and it'll be, it's well, it's a great introduction for Pirelli into the mountain bike scene to sign with such a major brand and a ma- major teams across the whole of gravity. So, yeah, big, big, big moves, but let's see how it goes. <laughs> well, Fabian Burrell's had a big hand in the development of those tyres, I think, so they've got Is that he? going for them. So, yeah, hopefully, I'm sure Trek wouldn't sign across the board with a tyre brand if they didn't think it was going to be competitive in all the disciplines, so... Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, you're yeah. not gonna you're not gonna make a big move like that unless you're sure. So, yeah, yeah, Interesting. it's good. Put Pirelli ha- on the map for sure. It definitely does. Yeah, and I saw Hattie teasing, uh, mm-hmm. uh, like stenciled out bike in her Instagram the other day. So I don't know if there's a a new trek coming at some point in this season. That'd be interesting because we don't know much about any new bikes coming throughout the year. So it's always interesting because mm-hmm. it's yet. like you say, it's a uh, it's very handy for riders to spend a decent chunk of time getting used to a bike. Um, but obviously if a brand have got a new version of a bike that they want to promote, then they need the team on it. So I'm guessing riders in that situation are kind of their hands forced, right? They've got to get on it and get up to speed. Yeah, your hand is forced, but you just have to do everything you can to try and get the brand to give it to you as soon as possible. Even if you're not going to race it for another three months or so, but as long as you can start getting time on it behind the scenes, it's vitally important <laughs> in order to access the speed, especially if it's a, a big change. But even if it's just like I've been on bikes before where it's been a, a slight geometry change, which hasn't seemed like that big a deal, but has been 
has been a big deal. <laughs> like made quite a big difference. It's put me in a completely different position, which is all part of like learning. Like I've been doing this 10 years now and I've learned so much from changing bikes and what I like about bikes and going through that process in order to set up a bike. So when they do change now, hopefully it's going to be a little bit easier. But yeah, every time it shifts and change, the more time you can have on it, the better. Definitely. And a, a little bit of a change for the GT team, right? There's a new a new mm. tyre sponsor in there as well. Yeah. And this is a huge move for GT because GT's always been GT factory racing. And now we're going to be GT continental factory racing. So they're coming onto the team in a, in a massive way, um, which is huge, huge for us. And awesome as, <laughs> as someone that's riding the tires i can tell you i'm pretty happy about it so Good. yeah a mass a massive shift for us um gt itself is is moving into a whole new era you mm. know it's changed to being under pawns in their performance alongside you know brands like cervelo reserve santa cruz juliana so they're within that performance band within pawns so They've now moved to California, back to their roots, and really just trying to um, work on coming back to the, the... I've got a quote here from Jason Shears, who is the main man the who's man, guiding yeah. this, guiding GT through this whole process, which is really exciting. Returning GT to the spirit in which it was founded. So that is very exciting. It's going to be a longer-term project, I would imagine, because it's... It's a lot of work to put everything in place. Even just doing that move itself over to California is huge. So, yeah, um, a lot of change going on in GT. Continental is a huge one for us as a team. And, uh, yeah, let's make GT great again. <laughs> Excellent. Well, yeah, it's definitely been going in a super positive direction, like some amazing mm. results, some better bikes, or it looks like. I haven't had a chance to ride any, but some some good stuff coming out of there. And yeah, Conti tyres, mm -hmm. certainly on the downhill side, didn't seem to slow anyone down last season. I think there's even more teams picking them up. So yeah, are you, are you running yeah. the same tyres? Is there are there enduro versions? Like, what can we what can we say at this point? Well, I'm still testing. It's been quite okay. difficult to get some of the enduro tyre casing tires to test mm -hmm. on. So I've been trying different treads, um, and I've been fairly comfortable in the crypt total front and then the rear version of that okay. um, and trying that within the, with the downhill casing has been mint and then I'm just experimenting with the enduro and just trying to find the limits of it and see what it's capable of in as, in as much different terrain as possible just to see okay that tire is going to be better here there you know and then I kind of like to just stick to the same tread as much as possible to limit decisions making so the cryptotile is mint everywhere and so i'm probably just going to run that and just change between the downhill and enduro casing depending on on what i'm looking for for example derby is a little bit faster rolling a little bit flatter i'm probably going to run an enduro casing tire there yeah Der uh, medina is a bit more downhill oriented i might run the downhill tire there so that's got you the decision making going cool. on yeah nice to have the options mm. All right, big oh, yeah. news, big news. No Sam Hill. Ooh. It looks like Sam Hill's just going to go downhill racing, which is yeah. fair enough. But that's yeah. going to be, he'll be missed, right? <clears throat> definitely, definitely missed. Um, 
I think he's had a, a tough couple of years though, and maybe for him this change will be good. Um, bring his fire back and see him back at the sharp end because he's just not quite been where where we'd expect him to be. I don't think where he expected himself to be either. So, yeah, change is good. Sometimes you just need to change it up and find yourself again. And coming back to Downer, I think everybody's buzzing to see. I'm 100% not arguing about watching Sam Hill mm. ride a downhill bike. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's great. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. There were some but cool clips the, from him in uh, at Cannonball, yeah. I think, in Australia. Just yeah. to see Sam Hill like drifting around on a downhill bike was was pretty cool. But it'd be interesting to see. Like the sport has really, mm. I think, changed a lot since even since Sam last raced. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. I think he raced Fort William mm-hmm. 2017, maybe. But even then, it feels like you know the pace at the pointy end is is really sh- shifted. Like, be, be, yeah. yeah, I'm keen to see how he gets on with it. It's going to be a really interesting thing. Yeah, definitely. See if all the years of Enduro has brought new strings to his bow or not. See how that's changed changed things yeah. for him. Be yeah. exciting to see. Definitely. And it sounds like Richie Rude might be dabbling in a few downhill races too. Yeah, it seems to have been hinting about that a little bit. Yeah. It'll be interesting little, to see. Little video clip last week of him on a some kind of mm. high pivot looking prototype Yeti, so Again, yeah, seeing yeah. those guys back racing downhill would be be interesting. It'd be amazing to see Richie race downhill again because it's been so long. Yeah, and after it has. his success in it as a junior, it was like, ooh, what's he going to do at elite? And then we never really got to see. So, no, yeah, it would be really good because he has got serious pace. So, yeah, it'd be good Definitely. to see him mix it up with the top boys and downhill and put the cat amongst the pigeons <laughs> for sure. And we, um, we were wondering where Eddie Masters was. We looked through the the pink bike complete mm. guide to the teams for this year and Eddie's not listed against the Pivot Factory racing team there. Um, so I reached out to Morgan via mm-hmm. her partner, James, and apparently Eddie is going to be at the first couple of rounds for sure, uh, racing enduro. And then I guess it's going to depend how things are going because there's the ability to race both the downhill series and the enduro series is kind of, I mean, it's, it was always challenging, but it, it's pretty much a no go now, I think with the schedules where there's overlap between enduro and downhill. So people are going to have to pick one or the other, I guess, and, and focus a bit more in one direction. But Eddie's clearly someone who can threaten the top ranks in both sides of the sport. Oh, definitely. Yeah, he's a serious contender on downhill, on any bike, <laughs> any bike. He's just, he's just absolutely rapid. It will be, it will be cool to see him doing both. But like you say, it's really tricky now when we've got these. It's great to see all the events coming together, but then for riders, they can't cross over to do both downhill and enduro. So that'll be interesting to see how people make make the decision on what what they're gonna do. Does that then open up more opportunities of support for other riders? You know, so people just kind of stay in their lane. Okay, we've just got people doing enduro, we've just got people doing downhill, so we have less crossover. So then there's spots open yeah. for some more people to do enduro or downhill. So I don't know. But yeah, yeah as maybe. soon as the, the rounds are together, I think it'll be really tricky to do both events, if at all possible. I don't even know because yeah. I don't know how the schedule is going to work together. But yeah. 
wild. Interesting. Yeah. And so Giant have picked up the Meyer Smiths, who I think both mm. dabbled in both downhill and enduro last season and were very successful on, on both sides. Don't Again, don't yeah. know what will happen with the, the racing split there, but it'd be interesting to see how they yeah. get on. And A great you... signing. A great signing. Those really two boys. Good signing. My yeah. goodness, they have pace. The, the future right there. Oh, yeah. And Josh Carlson swinging his leg back over uh, an, a bike for some enduro racing. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. For these Tazzy rounds, being an Aussie, you know, like, got to get got to get into those races. Yeah, he's been doing in e-biking for the last few years. Um, so it'll be really exciting to see him back on a normal bike, acoustic bike, whatever you want to call it, a mountain bike, um, and putting it up against the best. So it's been a couple of years and the sport's definitely changed and developed a lot since then. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where he's sat now. I'm sure he's just as curious to find out as well. Yeah, because he did a lot of commentary stuff, didn't he, for the EWS last year. He was like yeah. doing some camera work and bits and bobs. So yeah, good to see him back in the race for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully that all comes off because it'd be great, great to see him back on these wee bikes. Definitely, <laughs> for sure. And let's talk briefly about Forbidden. So they've picked mm-hmm. up Emmy Lan, who's a Canadian rider. She's only yeah. 19, I think. So she's still got another two years left in under 21. She won, she entered five rounds last year and won all five. Uh, it's a promising start to a, yeah. an enduro career. Huh? Yeah, absolutely obliterated it. So yeah, it's great to see you Forbidden picking her up and, and uh, yeah, hopefully she continues on that that trajectory and keeps uh, keeps pushing it because that's yeah. awesome. Really, really solid results. So yeah, it's it's amazing to see now so many f- like rapid young women coming up under twenty ones. The the elite field within enduro is ridiculous. It's so tight, so much quality, and uh, yeah, now the youngsters getting support as well is only going to mean everybody's going to get faster and then we're just going to have the depth of field is just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So yeah, it's in a really healthy place in Juro. So big up forbidden for taking on a young under 21 as well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think we'll see some medals from that squad this year. Have we missed anyone oh, yeah. on the kind of <clears throat> team move side? Um, I think Nathan Secondi signing for Cube Action Team is a big one. Okay. Because, um, he was 10th in the final round. He was posting mostly top 30s, top 40s last year, like consistently. So same with the Cube Action team um, alongside Gusti, Gustav Feldhaber, mm-hmm. who, who's a Swiss guy. He's been on Cube Action team since the dawn of time, I think. And <laughs> it's just just a loose unit, eh? So, yeah. They, they'll be a good duo, actually, and uh, we'll be keen to see how that team goes this year because they went quiet for a couple of years around COVID and now they've come back with a full squad. So they've also got um, Hannah Steenthaler, I think I'm saying that right, right? Okay. and Veronica Bushel. So mm-hmm. they've got two women on their team as well. And Jonas Gouville, I think that's how you say it. Hey, so they have got a full Sorry squad Sorry to everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, big team, big team. I'm absolutely annihilating these <laughs> these pronunciations. So tell me it's in the comments good. how to say the names. <laughs> People can get in touch and let us know how to do it properly. Yeah, but that team will be really cool, cool to watch as well. Nathan Sakonde is a, a strong, fast rider. So yeah, that's kind of a an underdog 
manoeuvre there that yeah. maybe people haven't noticed so much. But yeah, I think that'll nice. be quite a good one. Cool. Is that it? Are there any others we missed off? No, I think that's about it. The one right. one that I did want to mention was Arise Van Leuven on the Commensal Les Ors team. She's a 16-year-old okay. New Zealand downhill downhill racer, I think. I don't know whether she's going to... Because that team kind of dabbles with enduro and downhill, so I don't know yeah. whether she'll do enduro as well. But just just to make a point, right, she was two seconds behind Jess Blewett's winning time at the New Zealand National Champs just a few weeks ago. Wow. Um, but she came second. There was a girl in front of her that beat her. Who so they would have been so it would have been Jess Blewett and then these two under nineteen girls second and third so big signing for uh, Commissar Lazars such a yeah. young rider but absolutely rapid already so yeah that's yeah if, I mean Jess was podium in at exciting. World Cups so it's not like Jess is hanging about is it even at nationals I'm sure she's not sandbagging no. so that's yeah, impressive absolutely. times. Cool. Yeah, there's some very, very fast women on the up. It's uh, it's good to see. Mm-hmm. Let, let's talk a little bit. Yeah, I'm then. definitely biased. Eh? <laughs> let's talk about all the women. <laughs> it's all good. Let's let's talk a bit about the change to this thing being a World Cup then, because that's a that's a massive mm. change, and it's it's sort of been overshadowed a little bit, I guess, by all the change and the move from Red Bull to Discovery within the downhill world. But Enduro is a World Cup now. That's huge, right? Yeah. It's massive. I think every every enduro racer is just like, yes, <laughs> we finally joined the big leagues, you know, because it always felt like we were just like the side project poor cousin in the corner, <laughs> just like totally legit and a really cool discipline, but never quite there because we weren't UCI, you know, we weren't this World Cup scenario. So to finally have that status, it's just like, I think we're all just like, whew, yes nice finally we're part of the crew you know like we're in there we're legit so it's definitely a massive move for enduro and and definitely an exciting one so yeah let's do it (laughs) exciting stuff but quite quite a change i guess like well it's been changing a lot over time right we used to have these big like two-day races two big days practice that sort of disappeared, like, I guess, COVID to some extent, like things got simplified. We ended up with a lot more one day events that is now confirmed. I think we're on one day events for the foreseeable, right? That's, that's how it's going to work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Enduro for the past 10 years has been an ever changing, ever moving scenario. So you never really knew what you were going to get that, that year, you know, went from like these huge events, like, two three-day events massive days to like the most then then everybody was trying to outdo each other so everything got bigger and bigger and bigger and then it just like dropped off massively and became really short and like more like downhill and then you had like covid where you were doing two races in one week then they brought in this pro stage thing that personally i don't think ever made any sense but now they've got rid of that so that's meant and now we're just back to one day you know, it's kind of been standardised, which is, I don't know, it is what it is. I liked Enduro being the variety and you never really knew what you were going to get. But th- I guess this comes with the territory. We're moving into a World Cup. It needs to be standardised. It's just going to be a one-day event to fit within the schedule of everything else. Um, and, yeah, I, f- I feel like a one-day event without the pro stage is actually what Enduro is about. The pro stage didn't really make sense to me in terms of enduro like if we had two or three stages yes maybe but one stage on its own it's more about enduro's like a big day on the bike 
how do you manage that day? How do you manage, you know, mistake on stage one and come back for the rest of the day? You know, your nutrition, your food, I'm out all day. I've got to manage my energy as well. So yeah, it's coming back to that essence of just big mountain biking day. Yeah, makes sense. Do you know if your practice day will be the day before? Because you kind of had, like with the pro stage, you had practice day, pro stage day, which was kind of a bit of a rest day in a way, I guess, and then race day. Mm -hmm. Will it now be practice day, race day next to each other? No. From what I can tell, and I've only only got the schedule for the first two rounds where we will have amateur racing going on. So we will practice on the Friday. The amateurs will race on the Saturday. So we'll have a complete day off and they will race on the Sunday. So, yeah. That's another another thing to get used to. Oh, we've got this big day of practice, but then we get a rest day. and then we, So you don't... I think what I used to love about enduro was the build-up of fatigue. You know, if you had a yeah. two-day race day, you had two massive days of practice straight into two race days. Like, that's huge. So that build-up of fatigue is another thing to manage within the whole scope of a week. You know, if you, especially, like, I remember going to one of these races in France. We did two days of walking the track no we arrived on monday we walked on tuesday and then wednesday and then we just went straight into practice boof 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 then race so it was like a whole week you were very active (laughs) all week you know so yeah this this year we're going to have to deal with that rest day in between but in terms of logistics like for us as riders and the mechanics especially that's a lot easier because we can ride in the morning do what we need to do and then they've got all afternoon evening to sort the bikes out and make sure they're meant for the next day so it's a slight slight difference, but yeah, I'm just real stoked there's not a pro stage anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what was it you didn't like about the pro stage? It's just not enduro. Enduro is not downhill. Like that's that's yeah. it. And that was All trying right. to be like downhill. It didn't it, you know? <laughs> Fair enough. It may, yeah, it makes yeah. total sense. And it's a pretty short season <clears throat> in the grand scheme of enduro world series in the past as well. Like seven rounds we've mm. had more in the past and it finishes pretty early as well although really you, early. You, know, you start early compared to down i guess but still yeah but we used to start at this time before and finish in october mm. now we finish in the middle of september it's amazing that's the earliest finish i've ever had <laughs> it's fantastic go. so yeah that'll be really nice yeah, yeah. and kicks off with uh medina and derby i've heard a few people possibly opting for shorter travel bikes for those first couple of rounds does that make sense given what you know of them like a bit more pedally a bit less rough um medina will definitely be more on the gravity side but derby for sure is flatter and more so you've the trails that we rode before were like rocky big rocks but quite round rocks Uh so they're not like sharp and spiky or anything like that and it was quite flat gradient a couple of steeper sections but not for any extended period of time and then usually because of the way the hill drops off it's just fast flat kind of pumpy amazing single track like absolutely incredible to ride tricky to race and you want to be rolling as fast as possible you want to have a bike that as you you're pumping through is actually putting the speed into the the wheels and you're actually getting it out and working with the terrain so yeah like that was definitely a consideration for us and trying to ride a smaller travel bike for that it wasn't possible but i wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of riders taking on a smaller travel bike for that race in particular interesting 
Okay, cool. We've got mm. that coming up pretty early. Then we're off to Finale for mm-hmm. some ice cream. And then we've got our first new mm-hmm. venue of the year in Leergang. Do you know Leergang yeah. well? Have you ever been there? Have you watched downhill there or anything? But... Yeah, I've watched downhill there. I haven't really done much riding around there, but I don't know if the enduro is actually in Leogang. I think it's going to be in the vicinity. Okay. So that that is yet to be clarified, um, but will be a, a good thing, I think, because I'm not sure how much is really in Leogang in terms of like enduro trails so mm-hmm. like just general trail biking so yeah that will be definitely will be one to watch to see what riding we find because it could be anything i'm predicting yeah. potentially sort of alpine style walkery tracky potentially if they move us to a different sort of bike park scenario then maybe a bit of that but yeah definitely high alpine riding yeah. And the first combined event with cross country and downhill there as well. Are you looking forward to that? Like the festival vibe, like we're having everyone in one place or is it going to be a bit crazy? Well, I think I am, I'm really, really happy that Enduro has got a few rounds before we go into that chaos because (laughs) it gives us time to like, well, if you know, coming into the first race of the season is always a bit higher stress you're, everybody's looking at each other. You're you're like, have I done enough work? Do I need to be doing more? You know, I've kind of, I can't do anything about it now. <laughs> you know, how fast am I actually going? I thought I was going all right, but maybe I'm. You know, all of this stuff. So you're dealing with all of that, and so to be able to go to like these races where it's just enduro, it's like okay, it's fine. You know, it's familiar. Blah blah blah. You've only got that sort of to deal with, but the, the likes of the downhillers, where that's their first event. Going into that utter chaos, still dealing with all of the normal first race of the year scenario things, that is intense. So I'm feeling like by that point, I'll be quite happy. You know, generally enduro riders will probably be quite happy because it's like, well, we've done three races already. So this isn't really that big a deal. It'll be nice to be part of it and be within it. It's going to be interesting to see how it's run with two events there. Mm. Hopefully our racing doesn't get lost within the hype of the downhill and stuff like that, how that's going to be managed will be interested to see. But like I say, we'll have done a good chunk of racing by then. We'll have had a good bit of like, ooh, enduro. So. (laughs) Yeah, it makes sense. Have you heard anything about the coverage side for enduro this year? Like, and what the plans are? No, only from your podcast. (laughs) 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 That, That it's just going to be sticking with the highlights show. And I think that's that's all we can do at the moment, and we're just going to have to see, wait and see how it, how it can develop. But I I would really love to see a sort of drive to survive scenario coming out for enduro because telling all telling all the stories around it, mm-hmm. I think is what makes enduro great, and sort of highlighting that you know it's it's a big day, it's this, it's tough. You know, Iron Man, you don't you don't you know people. They have they show Iron Man's for the whole time. That's like eight hours, and people watch that and find out about it and stuff like that. You don't watch that because it's entertaining. You watch it because it's gnarly as. And I would love to see Enduro being like pushed in that direction of like this is the the pinnacle of gnarly 
biking <laughs> all day on your bike. You've got to go. You've got to keep going. You know, yeah. get through all these different things and sort of telling that side of the story. So moving it away from trying to make it this live downhill scenario because we're not downhill. We're not downhill. Stop trying to make it like downhill because it's not downhill. It's not going to be anything ever like downhill. We don't look like that because we're tired. <laughs> we've seen the track one time and we've got to ride down it at the best of our ability whilst being tired. That's not downhill. <laughs> it's not even cross country because cross country, they're tired riders, but they know where they're going because they've ridden that track about 20 times. <laughs> oh yeah, more. The, the amount they ride that yeah, loop during yeah. the week is insane, yeah. Exactly. So yeah, in short, I think we're just going to have a highlight program. <laughs> All right. You can cut all the rest up. of the chat out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so there we go. We've got Val de Fassa, Ludenvier. Been to both of those before. One of them's combined with downhill, mm-hmm. Ludenvier, mm-hmm. which would be interesting because that's the first time for downhill mm-hmm. visiting that mm-hmm. valley. So we'll see what the track's like there. And then off to Port de Soleil. And this is the big sort of two-week-long festival of mountain biking with everything going on. And I think the downhill will be in Leger. Do you know where the Enduro is? Is it more like Morzine Way or have you not heard yet? I think it's more... Morgan, Morgans, or Morgan, Chiquel, okay. sort of, I don't know, oh, nice. yeah. Again, no, just wait and see <laughs> what happens, where we're going. This is the beauty of being on a team where I have a team manager that's like, that's his problem, eh? Not mine. <laughs> this is very true. If you were yeah. like privateering this year, trying to mm-hmm. sort out accommodation and make sure you were somewhere near where you needed to be, Probably not very easy, right? I don't know how much information is available. I don't know either because because I'm not in that situation. So I don't know what races are being sent or not being sent. I don't, I don't know. It's just a, a lot of things happening and a lot of things going on. I just don't, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a huge project. It's a huge project. And it's it a-, a difficult one as a, as a writer, just kind of waiting for answers. Yeah, it's a a big year, huh? Yeah, a lot. We'll know a lot more by the end of this year. A lot will have changed. Hopefully, things will be really, really good. Uh, I'm sure there'll be Mm -hmm. a few mistakes along the way because there's a lot to learn. But yeah, hopefully, it'll be a good year. All right. Mm -hmm. So we've gone through a lot of the team moves. We've talked a bit about some of the new venues. Other than uh, those big names, are there any riders you think we should be looking out for this season? Like, Riders, we think we might have a, a bit of a breakthrough or underdogs, people we should be keeping an eye out for. What do you reckon? Yes, I have a list here. Go on then. <laughs> um, Alex Rudeau from yeah. the Commonsal Enduro team or Enduro project, absolute underdog, but also we all know that he's really fast. We've seen results from him last year in the Enduro e bike scene. And mm-hmm. in the EWS, he won. Did he win? Yeah, Ludenvie, I think. Yeah. <laughs> like what? Just out of nowhere. So f- and he was French champ, pedals. I think, as well. Mm. Yeah. Like that guy, serious pace, serious skills, like really, really skillful rider. So I think we've just seen the beginning of him and it will be very exciting to see how he goes this year. Um, yeah. I think he's definitely one to watch. The other one to watch um, <clears throat> is Irene. What's the second name? Menjou. No, I should have written here. Yeah, from the Sun French Connection team. Yeah. 
another underdog but extremely fast Frenchie. One to watch, for sure. How about you, Got Chris? It. Hmm. I don't have many on that front. I think Jack Menzies, I mean, he's sort of already <laughs> put himself up in that category, I guess, but I'm really excited to see what he can do with that additional support. And then I'm sure there'll be some other breakthroughs that we haven't seen. Uh, I'm yeah. interested to see how Emmy Land's results start to line up with elite women. I think that would be cool to watch because yeah. she was definitely on fire last year. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's... Uh, that's all I've got. Um, someone we haven't talked about, Estelle Charles. Has she had mm. concussion problems? Is that what's been going on with her? Yeah, Estelle Charles from the specialised enduro team has had concussion for a long time. Like, I'm not sure exactly when it started, potentially um, early last year. I don't think we saw a race at all. Anyway, I saw her in Crans, Montana, which would be in September, and she was just starting to ride an uh, e-bike gently then, and she had more um, treatment that she was going to get in various different places. Anyway, I've just seen on her social media that she's starting to ride again now, so I don't know whether they found more stuff and she needed to take more time and do diff- you know, other recovery and rehab stuff for it. But yeah, I I don't know if she's actually... Good. I thought we might see a return from her this year and I was really excited mm-hmm. about it because she's a really exciting young rider. But I don't know if she's recovered yet or not, which is so gnarly. That is rough, yeah. There's been a few, a good few riders that have been out for really extended periods in this last year or two, hey? Like, it seems yeah. strange that we've not seen that before. Maybe people just didn't talk about it. I don't know. I don't know. I find it really interesting as well. The awareness has gone up so people know about it more. Are people more self-aware to know what when they're not okay and so they're actually getting help to feel better more than they would in the past? Would we have just seen riders leave the sport before yeah. whereas now they know what's wrong and so they're going to stay in it and they just need to recover? Um, yeah, it's a really interesting, interesting topic, especially because we seem to be seeing more of them, and I don't really know why either. Mm. So, yeah, it's is it also because the riders are going a lot faster? I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's definitely concerning for sure, especially when you see riders like Tani and like Estelle who are out for such a long time. The other thing is. Those are both women and unfortunately our neck muscles, we don't use them in the same way as men so it can make us a lot more prone to concussions. Mm-hmm. So that's another potential reason that we women could be out for that bit longer. Obviously every individual is different and every yeah, yeah. incident is different but that yeah. is potentially a factor within that. Yeah, I didn't realise until recently, I think I'm right in saying diff- everyone's different in the sort of G-force levels that they can handle before it becomes an issue for them. So it's not as simple as necessarily having like, oh, you've hit 20G, therefore you're, you know, you need you need to be out of play because for some people that could be fine and for others it could be a real problem. It's, yeah, it's a really, yeah, complex topic. I'm not sure how that one evolves, but 
fingers crossed. At least the awareness is there. That's the first step, I guess. While yeah. we're while, yeah. while we're talking about specialised, <clears throat> what about Charlie Murray? Someone that's had a few bright results, but not doesn't seem to have quite like found the consistency maybe but do you think we could see a bit of a breakthrough from charlie maybe have you seen much of him while you've been over in new zealand oh yeah like he just won the new zealand national championship the first ever one at cable bay which is amazing riding there is a guy there shannon hewitson who's a local rider who's just one of those local riders that you get across the board who are just insanely rapid in their zone. Like, insane. And Charlie beat him, and this Shannon Hewitson was second. Like, this is insane. You know, you've got Eddie Masters there, Matt Walker, Cole Lucas, they all came out, and this Shannon Hewitson was second. So that's amazing. But for Charlie to, like, beat him as well, like, that's incredibly impressive. And uh, Charlie's got it, you know? He's one of those people that can just really turn it on. He's also got insane fitness. Yeah. Potentially, not, you know, his parents were really fitness people. So he's got good good genes, but also, <laughs> yeah. like, I think just through and through within his life, he's just been a fitness guy. So, yeah. if he, I don't know what's been stopping him from pulling it all together on the regular, but he's definitely got it. So, yeah. Anything can happen. Each year is always quite different. So... He's he's always one to watch for sure. Yeah, definitely. All right. Do we want to wrap up with predictions? Are we going to go that far? Yeah, go on. All right then. You go first. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. Mm. Should we start with women's? Okay. Yeah. So maybe this is a bit predictable. I think. Ella Connolly, Morgan Shah, and Isabeau Kaduria in some order, and I'm not sure which. Like Morgan is consistent, measured. She's been like chipping away at it, getting that bit better, a bit faster, a bit sharper each year, and sort of, you know, second looked relatively not straightforward because it never is, but like she made it look pretty mm-hmm. straightforward. Could that step up a notch? Don't know. Isabeau is incredible, like very talented rider, awesome to watch. Ella doesn't, it doesn't feel like she's had her season yet, but we know that when she's on form, she can have some incredible results. And like you say, there's a lot more support around her. So I've struggled to put those three in in order, but I, it wouldn't surprise me for them to be the podium at the end of the year. What do you think? Yeah, I have to agree, but I also have to throw in Hattie Harden. Okay. Because... She's just ridiculous <laughs> across the board. Like serious pace. She's just got a head for racing downhills fast and just that fitness from all the cross country and stuff that she's done. This is her first off season fully focusing on enduro, not doing any cross country or uh, cyclocross stuff. So yeah, I'm excited to see what that brings for her. And I can only imagine it's somewhere in the top three, but also you can't you can't go past Isabel. She's just time and time again. So yeah, those those two. Yeah, I think me. Hattie's got a downhill bike this year as well. Mm. So that'd be interesting to see if that helps yeah. like develop the speed side because she's clearly, mm-hmm. I mean, she's clearly a very good rider, but she's had that cross country focus, cyclocross focus. So the fitness has always been there. 
it feels like yeah. this year maybe she's shifted focus more onto like sharpening the technical side, spending time on a downhill bike, getting used to the speed part of it as well. So it's only going to make yeah. her more dangerous, I guess. Yes, hundred percent, a hundred percent. The tiny little tinsy wee gap that she had there has now just been closed. <laughs> this is it, gone. All right, yeah, you can start gone. with the men's then. Okay, um, I'm going to say Richie for sure. Okay, you know this is this is the guy in the top three that we saw last year that hasn't changed anything. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah everything yeah. is the same. He's just got another teammate. That's it. And there's so much, like well, exactly what we've talked about this whole time, there's so much to be said. He's had so much time on that bike. He's comfortable. He's in the environment that he knows. You know, all of these things play a part. So, yeah, I have no doubts that he'll definitely be up there. I think Jack will as well. But I'm not sure how soon. Okay. If he'll be able to pull it out yeah. of the bag. Jesse Tough. will too. Other than that, I, I'm interested to see the Meyer Smiths and see how how they go. Interesting, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Mm, okay. What about you? Never look past Richie. A because mm. I'm a bit scared of him. B because <laughs> I think like he's super consistent. He battled. I mean, last season he had some pretty hard knocks, and he battled on. Like he's a tough. He's a tough character, and he and he's not gonna not going to give up easily. I wonder whether the downhill focus will maybe like shift his focus away a little bit. If that goes well, if he's enjoying it, that might change things. Don't know. Um, mm. I have a feeling Jesse will come out firing. I think he wants it. Yeah. He'll want to prove it. He's got a great support around him of a, of a really solid brand. Um, so I think we'll, we'll see Jesse up there. I think Jack, has a good chance but starting any season with an injury whether it's big or small can't be easy like you say it might take him a little while to find his feet it has done in the past like took him a while to come back from that shoulder last year um and then we haven't mentioned him because he hasn't moved but another rider that's increasingly comfortable uh martin mays i know he had a child last year so maybe like and just had a new one now Oh, has he had another oh, he's one? Okay, just so had this, another one. Yeah. All right. The sleep, the sleep deprivation is back then, so maybe he won't do very well. <laughs> but yeah, you, again, you never look past Martin, right? He had a couple of great results yeah, last year on that sort of comeback from becoming a dad. So he knows what he's doing there now. Focus back on racing, maybe. We'll see. And he won Derby the last time. There you so go. He's got good memories from there. And yeah. again, he's had another year on that setup. So. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Well, it is going to be a great season of racing. It's good that Endura opening the racing books this year and getting us going. So we've got a long time to wait to any downhill. So it's over to you guys to keep us entertained for three races uh, in the lead up to Lear Gang where you all get together, which is going to be really interesting as well. So I'm super excited for you. Uh, I'm glad to hear that you're going to be back between the tape. How are you feeling in general? Are you, are you frothing to get back and, uh, get into the sharp of it yeah yeah frothing and terrified (laughs) (laughs) you take a year out of doing any sort of racing and you're always a wee bit like oh gosh you know like you need to find where the pace is so yeah but my running's been pretty good I've had a lot of illness this off season which has been a little bit frustrated but I can't complain the rest of the time's been good and we've done some good work and yeah I'm just stoked to be 
functioning as a happy human again and uh, looking forward to getting back with the team and back on the race scene would be awesome excellent yeah it's good to have you back and uh yeah thanks for taking some time to sit down and chat all things enduro and yeah we look forward to seeing how i am a massive fan (laughs) (laughs) i never guessed yeah wiki we'll have a great first couple of rounds and uh yeah we'll catch up at some point throughout the season and see how it's all going for you awesome thanks so much for having me chris cheers katie hype built (laughs) cheers All right, that's it for this episode with Katie. I really hope you've enjoyed it and that you're as excited as we both are for the Enduro World Cup to kick off this weekend in Tasmania. Don't forget that if you want to help support the podcast, then the best way to do that is now by heading over to patreon.com forward slash downtime podcast and setting up a donation. That's Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. I know that times are tough for a lot of people right now, so if that doesn't work out for you, then no worries. But if you are able to support, then it's very much appreciated. There's a lot more awesome content coming your way over the course of 2023. So make sure you're following the podcast by hitting that button in your podcast app or by heading to downtimepodcast.com forward slash follow. You can also get a bit of extra downtime by signing up to our newsletter at downtimepodcast.com forward slash newsletter. Also, merch is available still at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. All right, that's it for today. We'll have another awesome episode coming up really soon. But until next time, get out and ride.